0: Today on Talk with Claude, Victor Bird shares with us a message of hope as he recounts his past of child abuse and addiction and recounts his successes as an entertainer, a composer and community leader. We also speak with Pammy Paul and her practice of Reiki.
1: When I was 30 years old I carried that behavior with me of lying and hiding. And it developed, it developed because I never really dealt with my issues when I was being traumatized or hurt as a child.
2: All
0: right, welcome everyone to the Talk with Claude podcast and simultaneous YouTube channel. I've got with me Victor Bird. And he'll be bringing in his partner, Pammy, Paul, as well, to talk with us. And um, so without further delay, I'm going to ask Victor to introduce himself, talk about um, – oh, there's Pammy with us there. You go. Feel free to do any peekaboos anytime. we got Pammy photobombing the uh, the screen. So you can, you can stick around uh, for the whole thing, or you can come in a little bit later. Um, I'll come in a
3: little bit later.
0: All right. No problem. Anytime. So, um, Victor – if you just want to present yourself uh maybe start with with where you're at now kind of uh, an overview and then we'll talk about how you got to where you are and how uh previous life experiences has, has molded your life and your uh your mission
1: okay uh the biggest thing for me is sobriety for for me that's my own choice i wanted to be sober uh that's the only way that i believe i could function uh for, for growing up and all the painful past that, that I had, drugs and alcohol was like a uh, medicator. It, it it numbed the pain. It helped me not think of what I, what happened to me and what became. You know that the, the choices that that negatively impacted my life. So August seventh, twenty seventeen, I saw the light. It was just a weird light, I guess. This person in my and a course I was taking was talking about choices. And she played a video and I kind of remember the name of the video, but, and then I'm thinking my, I, that, that's when I thought to myself, I'm supposed to be somewhere else. I'm supposed to be doing something else. I'm supposed to be making a difference. Like I'm not supposed to be living like this. So then I decided, you know what, I'm going to take everything that I know in regards to addictions. That's the thing too. I want to state that like, I'm, I i do not have this straightforward one belief type of deal. Whereas you take a pill or, you should follow AA, or you should do this and this and that. I'm not going to say that. I believe whatever helps us as as human beings, or whatever, can help us heal. Helps us heal. Whatever we want to use to to that that helps us be happy. That's what I suggest. So I'm taking all the knowledge that I know and gathered in my lifetime, my 50 years now on the planet, and I'm. Being happy number one is being happy uh, I was telling my son the other day my 16 year old and we have conversations and he's got my humor so he outwits me now I said Alonzo you know what the most important thing make sure you're happy at home make sure you're happy at home long time ago these people used to tell me that and I used to not listen or believe it now I believe it and for once now I'm I'm having I don't want to say it absolutely But I have uh, flashes of it, peace of mind. You know, absolute peace of mind and that's most important. Not money or fame or whatever you want to talk talk about it. Peace of mind. Uh, I was like horribly into crack cocaine and booze for like 17 years. It it overwhelmed me. My life became as small as that, that crack cocaine. I don't know if you're familiar with crack cocaine. Are you?
0: Not, not from a personal level. No, I've, uh, I've got obviously my own issues, but I've managed to avoid a lot of the addictive, uh, substances, uh, in my life. And, you know, I, I think I, I've always had the attitude towards it though, that it was a bit of a lottery for me to avoid that because it simply wasn't in my personality. Um, okay, and, and I think, you know it's not like i haven't had pain in my life but um i i just dealt with it differently for better or for worse but i hung out with a lot of people who used drugs and some of them were very functional drunks and f- functional drug addicts and and other and i and i've seen people go from being a functional addict to a non-functional addict and that's always very sad to see as as you see the person destroy everything that's good in their life uh and um and, and you know some of those people i i've broken contact with and i i miss the old them that i you know those uh glimmers of light that i s- used to see through uh before you know the, the addiction took over um but no me personally i i've known people uh, that have been in that. I've managed to avoid it, but uh, I'm I'm always happy to hear about it because it gives a lot of insight and you can learn as much from from people's good hits in life as people's, uh, you know, uh, stuff that they struggle with uh, to, to avoid those. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a part of life. Yes, it's a part of life. And your words exactly like what you said about about destroying everything that you love that that's great words right there what you just said i agree with that cool. i'd
0: like to ask you a question the pivotal, the pivotal moment where you, the light went on and you decide that no you, you need to be somewhere else and you need to be sober was this one of those experiences where oh you know you kind of felt like you hit rock bottom right there and you need to bounce back from that or were were you slowly kind of coming to realizations and and uh Followed through on it. How how did you give me the details of how that that
1: was going through your mind and what was going on at the time? Great question. I was just gonna like uh, dawn on that because there's a lot of I see it a lot of social media posts or oh, when you talk uh, like people regularly whether there's life out there, people <laughs> not just media, right? was like, is that real? It's like yes, you can hit rock bottom. Like I've hit lots, lots of rock bottoms, I guess you could say. And then it just like, I kept elevating. And then I, I then I tried to quit. And then it would just go back and go back. So that moment I'm thinking I'm thinking back and I can't think. I was in the classroom in Academy of Learning here in Collingwood and, and I was just like, oh my God. The way that this video, I'm trying to remember the video. It was like a seminar, like a, like Brian Tracy, the Phoenix seminar. I don't know if you heard of that, but it's in regards to bettering yourself and moving forward and just leaving all negative things behind. Like, I've had all these trainings and courses. I guess it's what you said. Like, um, all the it, things finally led up to the point where I had enough. And mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, I told myself, I want to get clean. I had enough. I, I had to want it like I, I wanted it and then i had desired it then after that like yes you can want it but it's the point after we're staying on that path right so i was just wanting to get a hold of some other people and say how can we figure this out because i i know there's a when you're when you yes i want to be sober right? everybody wants to be sober that that wants to be right it's like it makes that choice but There's like, how do we do it? For me, it was like, there's traditions of of getting high and and getting drunk. Like I had this tradition of waking up every day when I was, when I was using, I was like, okay, how can I get high? Where can I get the money? How can I do that? That's all was conniving, right? I just have this one focused plan, one set. And I'm thinking, well, and now when I'm sobering up, I'm like, so, you know what? First of all, I live one second at a time. And try not to think. There was this guy. Uh, his name was Aaron. When I was at rock, rock, rock bottom, one of these times, I was in a mental hospital in Pinocchio. and he taught. He taught me. He walked in, and you can tell he was on another level. He just walked in, and everybody looked at him. He just, and he, he tells, try not to think, you know, and deal with here, with your epicenter, you know, your heart and your whatever, and. I took his advice, and so I take advice wherever it helps me to better myself, myself, not everybody else, myself. And I realized, yes, I don't, if I don't think, because example of thinking, right, overthinking is like I said, oh, I have an issue with Claude lot So what am I going to say? Am I going to say something? Or Claude wood? Oh, sorry. Uh, if I'm, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? All this and that, like, it could overwhelm me, right? So I just say, and I live in the moment, live one second at a time, and I don't think. And another thing with the uh, tradition of, uh, of the uh, getting high in the drunk for, for myself as using, I don't follow that pattern anymore. I, I wake up, I'm um, happy to be alive, I say a morning prayer, and I do a little meditation to myself. And I just do things differently. I find something else to keep myself occupied. Yes, maybe fifty. But I play PlayStation hockey because it keeps me occupied. Anything else to and to to make, keep yourself motivated off that other path? Because after the third or fourth month, maybe six months, I was like, it wasn't really coming to my thought anymore of wanting to use. I just it came like you can always say there's uh, two parts. The id. I don't know if you heard of the super id and the id. Whatever you want, conscious. You heard of that?
0: Yeah, I'm familiar with the uh, psychological terms.
1: Okay, and I would just say, well, I love myself. I like myself. I want a better life. I want my family. I want to be happy. And then it would say, No, no, no. Do this. Do that. And I then I kind of talk to my, myself and say, If you want to get high so bad or get drunk, you go do it. And then it would just stop, right? And then I just, if I was overthinking. But mostly if I just find myself living just in the moment, living enjoying every second of the day, because now that second's gone. So now I'm living one second at a time. I find it's, it's a good way to live. I'm enjoying every moment of my life. Uh I have to enjoy that. So it, it brings
0: up a few um it, now, brings up, pardon it brings up a few questions for me. Uh, because it's um it's quite possible for people to say, well, I'm going to live one second at a time. So that would bring them to do the contrary that you've done. Say, well, I'm going to take the drug now because it's going to make me feel good in a second, right? So you, yeah. that, that attitude can certainly, it, it, what you do with it, it, it's not obvious that because you want to take it one second at a time that that takes you yeah. away from the drug. Um, I I'm going to break... I'm gonna break down what I know a little bit about the addiction process. Okay, and maybe you can speak to to those things individually, and then we can bring it all back together. Because I think it's important. Um, You know, I'm not I'm no professional in the addiction uh, field, but from what I understand, so the addiction is actually a symptom of the underlying problem, right? Yeah. So it's it's there to cover up some sort of trauma, some sort of pain. Um, There's obviously um, some substances are for lack of better explanation, addictive in themselves. So there's like, you're addicted to the substance. So even if we take somebody who hasn't doesn't have the tendency to reach out for it, and we pump them full of a certain substance, I know, um, there 's a lot of issues sometimes in hospitals with people taking too much morphine and and yeah and they need help getting off the morphine so depending what you choose to as a symptom to fix the underlying cause, it can compound the problem because now not only do you have the underlying cause but you also have this addiction to a certain substance or a certain habit so I would postulate that at the point that you decided to be sober, the lights went on. Um, would you say that at that point you had solved somewhere inside your mind, you had resolved uh, uh, the way to look at the underlying cause, and then you still had to deal with the addiction to the substance itself? Or would you say that you you simply... Um, it was focused mostly on changing the habit of the symptom and that I mean obviously there, you can work one way or the other but I, I just yeah. maybe like you I don't know if you understand what I'm getting at but maybe you can I understand
1: what and you're getting at that. yes yes, yeah, I do like uh, I actually had to do in res- like uh, in respect I had to do basically all what you're saying like the light came on yes and then I had to live one second at a time for myself but I, I also had to deal with the issues that were compounding like in my life Like the horrible, horrendous abuse I suffered as a child for like five years, from ages like five to ten, I slept in a dirt cellar every night. And that was like horrible. It was in foster homes. Um, My first memory of getting to the foster home, well, actually my very first memory before that, I think I was four years old, I was thrown down the stairs and I went tumbling down the stairs and then the foster sister came flying down in, in a uh, laundry basket beside me. And I'm thinking, looking at her, at the time we were laughing, right? So, I mean, back then I was laughing, but I'm thinking, that was horrible. I'm thinking what, and then at that time, I'm thinking, what am I, What did I do to deserve this? I even woke up in the foster home, I think it was my first actual, what's the word for it? Uh, conscience, mo- conscious moment. When you, when you, my first actual conscious moment of being in a foster home, I woke up, I came into the living room. I think I was in pajamas, I was looking at the fireplace, I was looking at everywhere, I'm thinking, where am I? Why am I here? Where's my family, or do I have a family? That sort of thing as a, as a child. That's not, not so much complex, right? But I was thinking.
0: And just to, just okay. to clarify the technicalities of it, because you said you your, you and your brothers were all adopted. Um, yeah. So, were you adopted to a, a, a pre, an initial family that you don't necessarily have a recollection of the beginnings of, and then you were taken out of that family to be put in foster home? Because foster homes basically, you you know, you, you might get attached to the people there for your survival, and then they just move you somewhere else. And so, you know, it's not a permanent place. It's it's a temporary step into somewhere else, and hopefully, getting getting adopted later on. Like how, how uh, just, just take us yeah. through the technicalities of it first. It, it helps understanding yeah. it. And then as a Caroline. second part, as a second part, yeah. Um go ahead. I, I'd really like you to I mean those are far far ago memories. We're talking about when you're five, four or five years old. Yeah. And I, I think those you you know, as as a fifty year old, you don't have necessarily a huge collection of what happened back yeah then. those moments that you do remember you you are able to remember probably pretty vividly and yeah i i postulate that the reason for that is that they were really important in in molding your ongoing behavior that was like a survival moment for you that you had to decide yeah. how you were going to yeah. act and react to everybody around you just to, to just basically to survive so maybe you can you can address both just putting it into in the chronological context and then um tell us about some I of the will. details that that you remember
1: i will uh, yeah good i like how you phrase that. that that's very intelligent um with that um okay with the with in regards to the foster homes uh apparently um i had to, i had to find out answers from other people and and go through foip Uh, Freedom of Information Privacy Act. I had to ask questions around because a lot of people never, I never knew where I came from or who I was. So I got my answers and they took, well, when I was younger, like uh, between three or four, I guess I was um, putting group homes and I was putting in a group home in Alexander back in, I think, 74. Before that, I was living with my mother and my siblings and we were in Edmonton. She left my reserve because my late grandfather was abusive and he used to beat her all the time. And so she took us and left and set up her own house at Edmonton or apartment or whatever you want to call it, a dwelling. The uh, She had a seizure and there was noise, I guess. and peep. So the cops came to the door and apparently I answered the door and they thought she was drinking again because she died of cirrhosis, I'll get to that later. So then we were apprehended. And that's when I went to that group home, and then I ended up going to my very, I think, my very first foster home, like a, a home, I guess, uh, here in Edmonton, Alberta, I even remember the name of the people, Bordenock, down the road, I even called them and let them know, you know, when you guys took, let me go to that farm, apparently I wanted to move to a farm, that's what I was saying, but I was a kid, I mean, well, who are they to listen to a kid, right? or I think she was old and therefore she couldn't take care of me. So and I told her when I went to that home, that was horrible. They did horrible things to me because my very first memory of, of being in that foster home in, in Day's Land, their names were Loner, L-O-H-N-E-R, and I called them later on. I called them upon their actions about what they did to me. And I'll get to the point of uh, the um, of my behavior and where, where one certain behavior, I, I know where I got it from. I'll get to that. Uh, but sleeping in the basement, dirt basement, that was that was like, uh, what's the word? Cake. The man and woman abused, would physically, sexually abuse me. I was their toy. And the woman used to give me pretty good beatings, like at points where, like, I was thinking my better fake going unconscious so she doesn't hit me anymore. So I had to do that. I was laying in my own pool of blood, and I was like six, seven years old yeah i couldn't do nothing right and i was always being called down for being native and being calling me a shit brown person blah 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 she's oops was i okay to say that,
0: <laughs> that that's that's fine yeah um, okay. i i i post the uh the pod, both the podcast and youtube as uh, for adult content so. okay okay ahead, thank you now, feel feel free to express yourself however it it comes out
1: Okay, I'm just saying what she used to tell tell me, and then I would go to school, and I am fighting with the uh, what's the word? I would joke around. My my I get it from my brother Howie, when he says, "Where I'm not indigenous, I'm not First Nations, I'm not Aboriginal, I'm not Indian. I'm, I'm Caucasianly impaired." <laughs> Anyways, um, so all the other kids at the school were Caucasian and uh, white, if you want to say it and I ended up fighting with them as well, because I was different. And then I had a few friends, but I usually end up fighting every day. So, but when I go to school, I apparently I wrote uh, funny. I wrote as a lefty, even though I was a righty. So then I tried to do my work and then the foster woman at home, she said, you're, you're writing wrong. You're not supposed to hold your pencil. Yet. And she then my, twist my fingers and break my finger or whatever, hit me with something. And therefore, whenever I brought homework home, I didn't want to do my homework because I was afraid of the pain. So when I went to school and I didn't finish my homework back in the 70s in Daysland, there was a teacher. I remember her name, Miss Thiesen. She said, blah, 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 You didn't finish your homework. Let's go to my office. Went to her office. She pulled out the strap. And then all the beatings and everything I took it in that foster home when I was living there, I never cried. I think in my cell my Uh, At that time, when I was a kid, I think I'm not going to show them my weakness of crying. Excuse me. But when that Lady Mestizan brought up the strap, I was crying and I was terrified. But I'm thinking back then, I think I wanted to tell her what was going on at home uh, at that foster home. I wanted to open up, but I was afraid. So therefore, well, she didn't use a strap on me, but she was, well, gave me her speech on the, on not doing homework. So then, cause I'd come home after getting off the bus and I'd hide my homework in this, uh, hedges, I guess tall trees, you know, trees when there, there's a path and there's trees on the, here trees here, and there's a road. I'd hide all my homework under the bushes, under the bushes for like five years. I hid my homework. I didn't want to do it, I was afraid and therefore, as growing up and as a young man, even like when I was 30 years old, I carried that behavior with me of lying and hiding and it developed, it developed because I never really dealt with my issues when I was being traumatized or hurt as a child. I just let them build, I let them build I kept telling myself, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> but deep but deep down inside I was I was a hurt that hurt scared little boy. I was the empty shell of a person. And therefore it built up. And then finally, um, I'll get to my other points of my life, but one day my uh cousins, they 99, I think it was 99 or 98, 99, they um or 98, <laughs> all the haze, drug memories, they, I came back to his apartment and they said, they put something on the dresser. And I say, what is that laundry soap? <laughs> and they gave me a, do you have, a, do you have a, a bill? I got a 20, can you fold it up and snort it? It's cocaine. I said, okay, and I snorted. I first started out snorting and then it, it uh, escalated to crack. And that's when my life became unmanageable. For me, it became unmanageable. But the question about when you're you're talking about the um, the the uh, how it reciprocated and how it developed my personality, yeah, well, I, I knew it then there. Like I was thinking about it recently, maybe how many months ago, seven months ago. I was thinking that moment when that she pulled up the strap and I couldn't do my homework when I was hiding my homework. That's what kind of shaped up. Of who I would become and and later on until until when I sobered up when I realized on the way to live, uh you were going to ask a question
0: yeah, uh well, now I've got a, a few questions so okay um so you you just talked about that moment uh, when she took out the strap. Did you end up telling her what was going on at home or no, did i that, didn't that made it impossible? I was afraid yeah, I was afraid. So, what well, and what do you think would have happened had you told her
1: uh, i'm thinking of myself though uh, okay i'll ask your advice on that in regards to that uh back then being the 70s and the strap you know that was a what's the word for it, it was kind of normal right for our generation
0: I think it was probably more normal in some areas than others. Uh, okay. we did get spanked. I I don't recall the strap specifically. There's other things I remember from my childhood that I know had a similar effect in molding my behavior for a long time and causing a lot of yeah. damage, even though at the time I didn't I didn't realize it as a kid that it would but I I could see some patterns that I've developed as an adult that reach all the way back to very specific events like that. So I I don't think those should be uh, underestimated. Uh, Yeah. But but we do as adults, I think, kind of take it for granted that because, oh, it was a thing, that it wasn't abuse and we justify it. And and the real danger in that is that if you're going to justify – uh, your parents or foster parents' behavior because, oh, it was just a thing back there, then it, it sets a bar for yourself as well. And that's one thing I've yeah. heard having kids is if in my mind it's forgivable to, to, to slap a kid or to, to spank a kid because it happened to me and, and well, you know, my mother and my well, father it was a thing, then I find myself doing it. So I have to I have to have one moral standard that stands true for everybody, and it's it's not like there weren't there weren't good books and how to proper par- uh, to do some proper parenting back then and, and a bunch of things. I mean, I can relate to one thing uh, that I I know um, mark me as a child is my my brother was a very active child. So obviously, when when you have an active child, the parents just love to say how you know hyperactive and how you know the problem is really with the child um, yeah so my I, I was a witness to my brother being tied by a leash to a post most days when we were outside because the the reason given for that is that oh he would just run into the street and and get hurt but as an adult when I did some work on myself um, I realized I had no recollection of my parents ever taking us out to a park where we could actually run and play and, and really uh, before my, my dad did. My dad took us out to the, the forest, but he was working a lot and, and he wasn't there a whole lot. We needed that exercise every day, which my mother absolutely refused to provide. And obviously the problem with us. So uh, having seen my brother being tied to a leash, that modified my behavior. And I became this chubby fat kid that wouldn't move and wouldn't, wouldn't cause any problem. because I, And doing that, I was constantly told how I'm the good one. And now my brother is the problem. So the, and, and that's very typical of uh, an abusive behavior is where the parent will actually divide the siblings and kind of pit them one against the other by constantly comparing them and stuff. Right. So I don't know yeah. what my brother was being told, but I know on my side, it created a divide between us that I, I find really painful and, and that I can still see to this day, unfortunately. Though we've tried you know we, we, we try to get the ties back in and stuff, but it's not an easy thing to work back from um, I guess the other um, the other question I had is uh, when you have a recollection of the first time that you used cocaine yeah how Usually that's from what I've seen, that's kind of a marking point for people who are really covering a lot of pain and the stuff that you described is absolutely horrible. Like I'm so yeah. sorry that you, you had to go through that as a kid when you're completely helpless and dependent on adults that, that should be worthy of caring for you and, and who betray you in every way uh, through their abuse and the, the neglect as well. So was that something that you you took this drug and all of all, all of a sudden you you felt like it brought you to what you should feel like that you've been suppressing? Was it? Um, would you say it was replacing the bush that you used to hide your homework under? Um, and and that's how yeah. it progressed. So it, like uh, describe that for us a bit more in detail, maybe.
1: When, yeah, when I first took that hit, though, it was like it was euphoria, and it was like. No one can touch me here. I'm in my own world. And with my cousins that I grew up with, like, I'm like, wow, I'm like in my own world and no one can touch me. That was, that was a a feeling, I guess. And same with then when I, when I escalated to crack, I was in a different world, we call it. Like, and even then, like, I could even do, I was thinking of doing a stand-up about being well, crack cocaine because then it's all paranoia right it, it, alcohol parties you know are loud and crazy right and everything like that you ever go to a crack party it's like people do their crack right all of a sudden sh- 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 no drop did you hear that raindrop and everybody's doing the sh- all over the place and everybody's quiet everybody's tiptoeing around they're opening up the curtains oh my god there's someone out there but it's all in your head it's like i um read um i believe it was einstein his little take on the um uh cocaine and crack and that yeah the paranoia and then he he described in some points where when you get so high and you're doing doing crack cocaine because it takes 10 seconds to get to the brain by the way that the the person who is using it gets so paranoid. He feels things crawling on him or are, are going to crawl on him where he can't see. So that's the after effects of it. And then I was thinking about what I think about it now. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? Like it, it, it was to escape the pain and trauma as my, my trauma as a child. Like that's just the tip of the iceberg uh, when I noticed Oh, I also dealt with it, I know, like sort of acting out. And I hid it, so they they didn't find it. But they must have found out when I left. They had this this black car. It was like a, probably in the 50s or 60s. It was okay shape. But I'm thinking to myself, back then, I'm thinking, was I a bad kid? But then I'm thinking about it because I, I did every little thing. Every day, I would smash it somewhere. I would take something. I would smash the lights. The windshield or wreck something up that car but up then now i think about it i was being horribly abused i i was acting out because i was trying to vent i was venting i was trying to ask for help but yeah, I, like I they would help me go see, ahead
0: a, a way i've kind of come to explain behavior like that and um, you know we we can see it in small kids, even at a a lesser extent, depending what their, their, um, experiences. If, if as a kid you grew up under constant threat, right. And that's become your norm. Your body, your body produces hormones to deal with that threat. And, and those hormones boost your, your, um, your sense of vitality they boost your your sense of awareness they they, they put you on a certain level because you have to survive that that um, environment now as a as a grown-up once you leave that environment and you find the potential for peace in your life you're not being stimulated right so you you kind of you kind of look for what would bring stuff like that i think, I think where you're getting on there like it you you know so like for example i was in martial arts i was i was beaten on quite a bit as a kid i was a chubby fat kid i was laughed at i was humiliated and um and people would hit me because i was different you know right um so you can channel that right and i got into martial arts and I, i i i learned to find my own strength but um at one point I faded out of martial arts. I got into climbing and I would climb without a rope for certain distances and stuff like that. And that's when I felt really, you know, people feel, Oh, I feel the truth in my life. I feel that, that, that power. But when I didn't have that, it was quite depressing. It was quite monotonous. I was being under because it didn't reflect the environment that taught me the norm that I was in. Right. So at the extreme that you had lived, the, the, terrible abuse that you lived, you, you, that probably fueled. And, and that was the question maybe as far as, you know, when, you, when you felt the cocaine, it was to reach that euphoria and to have that relief and to have you created your, your kind of safe space. Nobody could touch you there. Yeah. You talk about crack, how it made you terribly paranoid. Um, would you say that, that really mimicked the horror that you were in, that, that was your norm, that you, you were at a point where you could relate to something because within a peaceful world, it's, when, when you haven't been trained as a kid to operate in that kind of peace, you have to relearn all these things. So how does that, does that reflect a little bit your experience?
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I thank you for that. Like uh, my late grandmother was in her 80s and she, 89 I believe. And she said, I'm 89 years old and I learn something new every day. So I'd like to be that humble too. So I learned something new today. Thank you. It makes a lot of sense uh, uh, about what I was uh, going through and what I was reaching for. I I, I just want to get on some little bit more points, and then I don't want to like um, I'm not avoiding it, but uh, just that uh, I just want to get to the good things after a while. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: absolutely, and it, like that. I don't put a specific time limits for my my podcasting, but I don't think we want to. I think we live in a world of. Um, of, um, not comparison, but a a world of contrast, right? And if people don't understand the darkness that you were through, they're not going to understand that light that you're bringing out now. And and it's hard to bring out light if you don't have something to give you that that urge and that push to do it because it really has a lot of meaning for you so i, I did want to cover that and feel free to, to maybe conclude on that on uh yeah words and then we can move on to to where you're at now and what you're up to
1: yeah uh, i'll get to the, like when i was finishing off now then in regards to smashing the car um car up and uh um acting up. So it came to the time when a uh, so, so social worker came to that residence, that farm and said, we found your, your real family or they found you, however it was phrased to me, and you're gonna be going home to them. So I was like, oh, oh yeah. And then uh, so the, I remember that- So your biological time. family? Yes.
0: They yes. found your biological, okay.
1: Yeah, so I packed up all my stuff, my brick, brick blocks, which is a rip off of Lego, I, I understand. <laughs> anyway, I couldn't even have real Lego as a kid, so oh, the horror, no, anyway, I packed up all my toys and everything and I was ready, going. and then the lady comes out, don't forget to write, I'm thinking, <clears throat> right? yeah, that's the first thing I'm going to do is write you, thank you for all the beatings, yeah, and what else? <laughs> so I'm excited, I get back to the old Wolko, I don't know if you know Edmonton, but, but only, only been there a couple of times, not really. Okay, back in the uh, day, nineteen eighty, I guess it was, when I went home to my to my real family, I met I met my late grandfather at uh, the Wolco Mall, Centennial Mall, which is now like uh, Winners, Pam, something like that. Yeah, it Mayfield, Mayfield Plaza it's called now, I'm something like that. And he gave me a big hug and I thought my world was going to be okay because someone actually hugged me and wasn't going to hurt me. And for the first few weeks or week, week, it was okay. Uh, and then after a while I did something like I rode a bike down a hill and I was terrified myself because the first time doing that and a car was coming and I didn't know what to do. It kind of almost hit me. Um, when I came back up the hill with my bike, my late grandfather and grandmother, late grandmother too as well, they're all yelling at me like, blah, 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 blah. And, they were just, and it all came rushing back to trauma as a child. And from then on it changed. They were like, I was like a prisoner and I was a scapegoat and he beat me beat us too. But every now and then, right. And, but still he hit me with a hoe, the sharp part of the hole. And one time when I didn't want to kill a rabbit. This is another memory. Uh, he maybe me tripped down to my underwear and he was going to shoot me with a rifle saying, you better kill that rabbit or else. So I had no choice. When I'd be going to school in Sony Plain, I was, uh, we were being bullied over there. I was bullied as a child too, was going to school because I, I was a small skinny kid with brains. So I ended up fighting with the, with the, with the white kid that's there in Sony Plain, And so I was, um, a fearful when my late grandparents and in and, and that home when I was unloved as well, they never told me they loved me or nothing after that. And I was fearful to to tell anybody because then if I tell someone, I'm gonna get taken out of my from my real family and go to another foster home. So I'm thinking, what I just went through? No. I'm gonna try and stick it out here. So eventually, yeah but after you're eighteen years old I decided to take off from there and, um, I walked out the door and one time and I never came back That's the decision of my life. And I started to, uh, be free of all the, um, pain and all that, but I never dealt with it. I never dealt with it still. What, 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 what I'm saying? And this I let how, it all build. How old were Go you ahead? then?
0: How old were you? 18. 18. 18. Okay. So and first and, all know, of all just
1: when I free
0: just a quick message I think for uh you know parents listening to this one thing that comes back again and again is if you don't if you don't want your kids to be abused and bullied and you know and kids get abused in school they, they I mean there's history human history is filled with kids being abused in the home but we don't often talk so much about the abuse that happens in school uh people yeah. are talking a bit more about bullying and they want to deal with bullying with bringing in these um these a bunch of rules in the school but avoiding bullying really starts in the home if if bullies and abusers put themselves at risk in their behavior and if they know how to pick on kids who aren't protected if If a kid knows that he can, whatever happens, you know, he doesn't have to feel shame, he can go home, tell his parents, and he feels safe in that environment. He's very, very unlikely to get bullied because and abused because that stuff will disappear right away. And he presents with that sense of um, sense that he 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 does have a safe place to go to in front of his abusers. And the abusers stay away from them. Look, look at you know kids being sexually abused and rape. I mean, the abuser that does that knows that they can get locked up in jail, uh, that they will probably get killed or rape themselves in jail. So they they have to be very very careful about who they pick as a victim. And one thing that comes back again and again is if the kid, even in the in the best of families, uh, in in all appearances, if the kid doesn't feel like he can tell the most intimate secrets to his parents, then he's much more likely to to suffer abuse, right? So well, what I can see from your story is you had no protection. You were on your own. You were being abused at home, so you weren't being protected, so you are being abused elsewhere as well. And people could probably smell that a mile away, unfortunately. Yeah. It, it, it caused you grief everywhere you go until you took control of your own life right is, is that fair to say so and i, I yes, want that message to go out because a lot of parents hyper focus on what the school's going to do to prevent the bullying when really all the power is in their own hand
1: yes i agree with that totally that it, it's when you're bullying then it's just it's just an after effect it's like uh what what you self-fulfilling prophecy it's like uh what you believe what you it's, it's the law of attraction like i was so beaten down and negative therefore attracted all that upon myself and I'm getting to the point where now as I am talking here you just gave me an excellent idea I am trying to go back to stone playing school and do a speech there in regards to overcoming obstacles and because my that's where I went to school actually my reserve duffield field well, while Walden Lake Indian Reserve all band is like a, that you use stone Plain school to go to school there the high school and stuff so that's where all my <laughs> bullying happened was in uh, secondary and high school. So I wanted to go back there and tell them my story and help try and open minds up and share my heart. So in their hearts, if there's problems with children that have and having the same, that they can feel free to share their story and therefore to not go through what I went through and to pass it on, to make it a wave. You know, there is a better way. There is, there is hope you can do this there's supports out there that's another but so well actually it, it comes to in regards to what I'm doing now now like after all of that like there was like the, I was doing workshops I was living a success story I was traveling to Wisconsin um, singing performing because I made two CDs that's what we talk about my music here uh, baby and a strength I could never find I wrote those in 96 I wrote them both in like twenty minutes. Uh, we, were, we were part of a group called New Breed. Life's Journey was our CD, and we compiled it. And we went around to communities. But after a while, when I was and when I was working for my band at the time, I was a child and family and child resource worker. I was a liaison for the uh, for the child welfare for Parkland, and I kept on. Um, like trying to represent my band, but yet there were still the underlying issues as that that I that I stowed away or I never dealt with. I hid them, compiled them, and eventually they all came rooting up. And my failsafe of when I was a kid of putting the homework under the bushes—that'll be my new thing now. Uh, it, it all came to a head. I, I kept doing that. I kept pushing under, not dealing with it. Therefore, I was let go of that job, and. Then I went to uh, college in Grand Prairie from ninety-seven, ninety-eight, and I took a. Uh, I was going for my Bachelor of Arts in psychology. I only did my first year, and that's when my cousins said, "Come home. We want to come vi- come visit us. We want you to check something out." So that's when I went home in ninety-eight. It was ninety-eight, and that's when the cocaine, and that's when they introduced me to cocaine, and then it there, there, there. It just Compiled yeah can you
0: give me a sense of how the because um, you had done was that the first time you'd done cocaine was in 98 98 yeah okay, so you hadn't actually touched uh, cocaine as such uh, before you made your music you um, alcohol was an issue then or you made nope. a sense of how that so you were actually clean but you were still yeah. you know just covering up your 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 pain inside and uh, yeah it manifested maybe more in your your actions and your relationships to people than yeah. than drugs and alcohol by then. And yes. give me a sense as well. Now you're a young man. You started to make, I'd imagine you started to have a little bit of money of your own and all that and how that intertwines with the drug and alcohol, because there's a, there's a sense and it's a bit naive sometimes that, you know, uh, there, there's, there's poverty. And if you just give, poor people money then it'll solve their issues but when you have it's a complex world you know and it, yeah some people just don't like to hear that but if you have people with severe unresolved problems and you just throw money at the problem you you can find them headfirst in the ditch and it can actually kill them rather than make things better and, and we can all have a whole yeah we we'd have a whole
1: different level of conversation about that but keep yeah. going
0: yeah, but so if you want to give me a sense of becoming a man, may, earning your own money or, or navigating the world in that sense, and then when the drugs come in, how that, how that all intertwines too with the talent that you're starting to develop, right? 96, you're writing these songs. You, it's, yeah. probably, it's probably one of the first times you're producing something on your own. You've got this finished product that you can actually be proud of, and then you've got all this pain intertwining in it. So maybe give me a sense of that.
1: Okay, I will get to that. Actually, I have a, one of the, actually a great answer for that for your question. But to get back to the CD, like the two songs, actually Thomas Brayback from Octavo Productions, he's my producer here in Edmonton, but he just wrote on there, blah, blah, blah. But he, that's the studio I went to. Okay. And uh, I plan on releasing another song and going and doing another song. More music soon. But the thing is, um, I'll have to say in regards to the money, uh, I have a perfect, like an, Perfect example. Now, I guess you could say, right now, uh, in doing in regards to doing workshops and whatever, and um, finding money here and there. I'm like right now. I guess we're not the richest family right now, but I notice now with my sobriety and my sense of becoming, finally becoming happy of who I am. It, we're not the poorest family either like it's a state of mind and like now it's it's um i don't know if you heard of the challenge response theory or whatever it's, it's more responsible you you become the more freedom you have That's oh, wait, just, oh, like yeah from brian tracy like the phoenix seminar i'm a i can facilitate that too in achieving goals
0: or, or, or but, as uh <laughs> as spider-man's uncle once said with great Power yeah. great responsibility and I think that's people forget that so easily because there's uh, a whole you know when you're dealing with government especially it's just you know claiming your rights and you want more rights well every right that you get does come with responsibility you can't ha- you can't be the one calling the shots and making the decision without taking responsibility for the results as well right and yeah I I, I find in a lot of cases the 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 lack of personal power and the lack of um, happiness in life is directly related to people not having the power. But the reason why they don't have that power is that they're not willing to take on the responsibility that that power entails. And the way they get it more and to be able to, to, to have more presence is to be willing to take that responsibility that comes along with it. And that's really key. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Uh, I was going to say the so like just a little tiny example of money you could say Um, what we're talking about too in regards to drug addicts or alcoholics like when I was when I back then uh, when I was using I wouldn't give me $20 I wouldn't give me $5 because then I'd be using to save up to to get what I needed so a little example like I've had like (laughs) <laughs> just a tiny little example of human and reaching out and showing that I'm the same as everybody else. I've had like uh, a few bucks and like this past two weeks now, of that I've had it still in my pocket, still in my pocket. Using it for emergency purposes or if my children, three grown, three boys now, uh, 18, 16 and 9, and our children tell us everything. Now, I mean, they did that too as growing up because they had a strong mother. I was there too, but I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't pass abuse on my children because the the simplest reason why I didn't do it to them. What happened to me? I said, you know what? I did not like the way that felt when I was a kid. So why would anybody else enjoy that? That was how I reciprocated. That's how I. That's how I. That's how I, I did that.
0: I think the things you just said here are huge. Uh, you know, you need to be able to treat yourself like somebody. Obviously, if you wouldn't give yourself twenty dollars back then, it's because you knew yourself, and and maybe you didn't yeah. allow other people to know you, but you knew yourself. And as far as passing on the traumas to to um, to other children, I mean, there's a sense that people have sometimes like, oh, if you're an abuser, if you've been abused, you're going to be an abuser you yeah. cannot you know if you were abused you know how that feels and there's there's no reason not to get the help nowadays there's a lot of help uh, available and there's a lot of change in attitudes as well i i know that growing up it was often frowned upon to to go seek some professional help, some psychologists and, and, and stuff like that. It isn't nowadays. Um, so there's no reason not to seek out the help. And for sure, I think people who have realized the abuse that they lived as a kid will go one of two ways, either though, either they'll think of themselves, and they'll want to recreate that to kind of perpetuate because it makes them feel better in the moment or they'll have the the compassion that they should be having for their children or for other people around them and actually say no this has to stop this is the last generation this is where we put a stop to it and i, I think geez power to you because that that is huge people yeah we right. may, may not realize how huge that is But that's bringing a lot that's taking a really bad situation and bringing a lot of good in the world so power to you i I command you
1: Um, thank you young man our our children do like they come back and they uh if they have a bad day or uh my son he's nine years old and he's uh he's a big boy he was 12 pounds when he was born and he's like five foot two five foot four now and he's like 190 or 180 he's a big boy so he, if he has a bad day and he lets us know that kids are making fun of him, he tells us. He tells us that all the time. And then he tells us that he has a bad day. And then we give him hugs and kisses and we we make sure that they feel safe at home. That's all I've been saying all along to my children. Make sure when you have a home that you're happy at your home, that you feel safe, that you're happy. That's the most important. It like, has nothing to do with money or prestige or power. And I was going to say, when we're getting at when. A person wants to reciprocate and turn their uh, i think yeah back if the abusers they want to have they want to have power right because their power is being taken away from them so therefore they'll reciprocate and they'll say you know what i'm going to have that power over somebody because it happened to me yeah i i said no i didn't like the way it felt so why would i do that to someone else that was my that was my answer to it
0: and that's a very Uh, Animalistic way of dealing with the problem, and I'll, I'll bring it back to some of my. Um, yeah. See, I've I've got. Uh, see if I compare it, I I've got goats right, and goats are very hierarchical, and I I've got this yeah. goat that's it's got a kind of funny side story here. We're gonna we're gonna sidetrack for a little bit there. Bear with me. Okay. But, so I've got this goat that uh, has come back. I, I I keep selling her, and she keeps coming back. So I'm about to read uh-huh. a boomerang. Um, and she's great with people, but she was actually bullied by her sister when when they were all here, and yeah. she she was terrified of her. So I had to split them up and and sell them off. But unfortunately, being an animal, not being able to reason through uh, that kind of stuff, she went to another home and they got more goats, and then she just became a bully over there. And so they called me back a week later It's like, listen, we love this goat that we bought, but she's just destroying the barn and she's just causing so much problems. And they're like, well, if you don't take her back, we're gonna, she's going to end up in the freezer. <laughs> so sure enough, well, <laughs> I, I take this goat back and we keep her for the summer and then uh, I ended up selling her again. And same thing happens a year later after we sell her, I, I get another call from the same owners, and this is this is the only goat that that it's ever happened to, right? So and now she's she's come back again. We take her out for walks, and and we're we're gonna try to find a a good environment for. Her. I don't I don't know if I'll sell her again. I'm just I think I just need to deal w- with the situation. But and then so you wait, oh you still have her. Yeah, I still have her now. We got her back last week, actually. (laughs) Okay. Just to say that at an animal level, that's our reflex. That's our biology. You get hit, you want to hit back. You get pushed, you want to push back. And and so I think as. as Reptilian part of the brain. As as humans, we have that higher level where we can rise above that. And and I think that people have to reach into that spiritual high level and, and realize, and I don't know how much. Capacity animals have to be compassionate and empathize for, for other animals, but as humans we've been given that gift, and I think it's super important that we we make use of that gift to rise above our simply basic animalistic instinct. I think that's part of what makes us human, what makes us special. So I I just wanted to say that, and it's kind of a a a weird segue to to do it, but I hope people kind of get that message there from from that experience
1: no that's understandable i was just um you the i guess it, it's the reptilian you heard of the reptilian part yeah. of the brain right yeah yeah, yeah i guess we it's kind of like that right and then and uh there's also the, the the pleasure center i guess you would call it and that's why like when uh, dopamines are released and we want to get like a technical level right our our chemistry level type of deal but but i like that about with your with your goats and that <laughs> she must she must be cute though
0: <laughs> no, no, she's great she's great with it. and uh yeah i think it's uh, and you know to make another analogy i think it's it's up to us the manager to find the best circumstance for her, where she can show off what she has best i mean she's super friendly to us and because of that you know she can lead the other goats she ends up being the leader, and the other ones follow. So we can go for walks, and the, the herd doesn't get all separated. But if we put her in the wrong context, then she just destroys everything. So I think everything uh, has its place in the world, and uh, that's our little experience for that. Now, I I'd, I'd like to ask you a question because, as you told us, the uh, the songs uh, "Baby" and "A Strength I Can Never." find um yeah. you you produce at a time when there was still a lot of pain in your life it, you produced them uh before the drugs and the alcohol really took over yeah and and now you're you're kind of bringing them back as well as being something that you so i i'm just kind of tell us how you relate to the songs and what i'd like to do is actually if you give me the permission is actually play the songs in the podcast i have them on youtube in a side window here so i can actually open yeah. a screen share and we can so if you want to talk, talk i don't know if you want to talk to about the songs as individual songs and tell us what the the history or the the thoughts behind the individual songs or just as a, a general process of uh, song producing I think it'd be more interesting to talk to the individual songs and, and tell us what they mean to you now, what they did, what they meant to you then and what they mean to you now that you've grown through a bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll give the, the, the process on the, on the songs in a, in a couple seconds, uh, for like, um, let's see in regards to like a, a, strength I can never find. Um, uh, I wanted to show myself and back in the light, um, uh, us as native people, want to show us in a positive light, and how to combine our um, living living in the nowadays world, or combining our traditional beliefs and our spirituality with um, with with the uh, with the mainstream world. I guess that's why the lyrics, you know, remember who you are, and uh, that's how it starts off, and and just speak our native tongue. That's, that's what I truly believed in, I still believe in that. I still believe in holding to court beliefs, like I believe in God, I believe in Creator. I pray to pray to Creator every day, every morning, every night, uh, that helps get me through. And for baby, uh, back then, I guess you could say, I, I just uh, was thinking, well, I'm thinking about the ladies, and I want to make an impression with the ladies, so I want to write a song, right? But then on a spiritual level, I guess you could say, even my wife tells me now, she tells me now, maybe you wrote it for me. Maybe I wrote it for her, you know, in connection in regards to mapping out our lives. But that, I, I just wanted to write that to be a fun hit song, to, like, go somewhere. And I've always been a, like a, uh, what do you what's the word for it? Sappy, romantic guy. When people were growing up listening to heavy metal in the 80s and all that, I was listening to Wham! I was listening. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was a wham guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was my flavor of music. With Elton John. With with baby, would it be fair to say that you wrote
0: you wrote it for the girl that you were longing for, even though she may not have been around at the time.
1: Yes, yes, you can say that. Now she's here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect 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 way to put that. You're you're playing your cards well here. <laughs> Before we play my music, I was just going to get, I'm going to get a couple things off and then we'll play my music and then we get to my wife and what she has, because she, when she does Reiki on me, like little blessings on me, it helps me. She pulls energy out from me and I just feel so, so great. It's such a great feeling. But I just want to mention something that's coming up for myself and uh, my wife here. She's going to have a Reiki table, a vending table. I don't think this is possible, If it's okay to mention this. Sure. I mean, event, Okay, and it's coordinated by Lori Feist. She's also on Facebook. She, it's called, um, Your Brand Starts Here. That's, it's, it's available like you can just search it on the site, I guess.
0: Are, are we going to have uh, Nike demonstrations um, online?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. But I've also shared it on my uh, timeline. When when there's something about Lori Feist or or uh, an event at the River Cree at uh, on February 29th uh, from one to four, I'm going to be speaking along with other speakers in regards to it, uh, I'll
0: leave it leave it up there. Don't move it too much there. So yeah, just okay. get that those dates and the uh, yeah just it, yeah just hold it, it, it right there. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, so that way if people want to go back and, and uh, have a look on the video to find all the information, it's all right there on the screen. Make sure you give that to me too and I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Awesome, awesome. I will. Um, and another thing I wanted to mention before, we also were a part of Knowing Your Spirits Conference or Renewing Your Spirits Conference with Gordon Gladue up in Wabaska. Pam and I went in, we we collaborated on a workshop.
3: The
1: I know, but... Um, can you get the book it's in my bag um we we collaborated into the youth conference over there um and we went to travel up in Wabaska november 8th to 10th we i did uh, my speaking on my past trauma my history and addictions and trying to help the youth uh see a positive light and to goal set and my wife did her reiki and we can collaborate and we did that we Gordon's inviting us back for September's conference as well. And we're also going to be doing Dennis Arcan's youth conference, which is coming up in April here at the Edmonton Inn and April 22nd or so. But yeah, we've been to done conferences and collaborations and that's basically what we're about. So I was going to, I was going to ask if you want to play the music so that, and then we can get into the Reiki after.
0: Okay what uh maybe we can break it up uh i'll uh what, what song should we start with should we start with baby yes please okay i really like that song,
1: too i'm getting to okay. i'll
0: pay, give me a moment there i just gotta
1: yeah uh, find this. i'll be right back too sure
2: So close up, had nothing to say. Was kept inside, felt nothing but pain. And I realized.
1: Waiting for you. To figure out. I found the book for which the conference we were involved in. Okay. And Parkland. That's it. right. There, the title. Okay. And uh, they're having another one September. And I was saying, you you watch SCTV, right?
0: Uh, no, I. John
1: Candy a... the old. Sorry? The old SCTV, the old SCTV with John Candy, Martin Short.
0: Oh, John Candy! Jeez, it's been a while since we've seen him.
1: Yeah. I mean you've heard of it, right? You yeah, watched that? Yeah, yeah. Like remember when they used to do the three D? It just made me think of that, that's all.
0: Awesome. <laughs> right on. Okay, um, so we'll go on to your second song here. And yeah. while I have you, um so how how involved are you with the music uh, at this point?
1: Oh yeah, I was gonna explain that too. Uh like, uh, when did YouTube first come come around? What year? YouTube, oh my.
0: The very first one's maybe 15
1: years ago, is it been? Okay. Yeah, because like recently, that. like, um, of uh, last year of uh, June. I'll, see, that's what happened when, when I was just a drug addict, alcoholic. I had no really, uh, what's the word, motivation to pursue anything. I just wanted to be stagnant. I wanted to wake up and see, you know, blah, 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 you know, all that and keep everything hidden and not deal with my problems. So therefore, when I finally, my mind was began clearing, I took basically a year off just to clear myself up before I started to uh, expand on things and to get get ahead or to to find what I wanted to do. So then I realized, wait a minute, I have this producer, this awesome producer, Thomas Grayback, Table Productions. I called him up and Facebooked him and said, how much would it cost to put my songs on YouTube? And he told me, so then I did it, and here we are. And, like, and he told me they're on Spotify, they're on iTunes, Amazon, other I guess other platforms of social media news, or whatever. So I'm like, oh, my God, see? All those dense years of fog that I was lost, now they're on another level. And now, let's see, my, saw my channel's on 22... 22.06 right now for views which is pretty good because you know it's 1.1 right 1.1k so it's over a thousand it's a very popular song everybody always gives me comments about that they're saying we really like that song and wherever I'm at like uh, gonna perform they say can you perform that song and I'm like okay <laughs> I mean I like it too, but I like got another song too right
0: when you're on stage, you have those two original songs. Do you do covers as
1: well? or? Yes, 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 I do. I uh, let I let people know, too. Like, I let them know I'm doing this cover. Like, when I did a performance for Pastor Jim. Wait. Pa- Pastor Phil. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking my favorite soul, Supernatural. Anyway, <laughs> anyway he uh, got me to do a uh, little uh, performance for him uh, before Christmas was downtown uh, in regards to them asking the city of Edmonton for more money to help these uh, groups in regards to social economics, something really fancy. And he just asked me to come in and do my music and talk about myself. So I just gave a little brief introduction and I sang my songs at the end, but I did some uh, covers. I did like Kevin Sharp, nobody knows. John Michael Montgomerys, I swear. Uh, Jeff Healey, what's a Jeff Healey song? Angel Eyes, and other songs that I cover as well. Because I also did a, we did a performance for the for the church. We gave to them like uh, we provided refreshments. and provided reiki. I did uh, singing and little speaking in regards to like my, my little life and how to obstacles, I guess, and over, overcome them. That was our gift to the church and the people that go there and come for help, so we offered it up because we didn't we did a performance there last September as well, so we did it for christmas this past christmas and it was it was great. people liked it it was a great reception
0: yeah I mean con- okay, con- congratulations you have an excellent voice I, I I find you have a very pleasant
1: voice to listen to so and, my uh, my <laughs> sorry uh, my mother could sing. Like you know, like it's they always say genetics and all that. My mother used to be a singer, so I get it from her. And my brother who's the comedian, he can sing as well. And for some odd, strange reason I I believe my my birthday's the same day as Elvis. So I'm thinking I'm thinking, yeah, I think you know Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah. I just I just yeah. feel like a king. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you obviously have a talent and it's great that you're able to let that talent shine because uh, I think everyone has talents but not everybody takes the opportunity to really, there's a lot of work. You can't just have talent and make things happen. At least very few people can. So it's it's such a waste when people do have talents like that and, and don't share it with the world. I think uh, it's, it's very tragic. Uh, any plans on any more original songs in the future?
1: Yes, I actually have another song that was actually lost somewhere and down the down the road. But I'm also writing another song as well. Um, it's going to be about overcoming, like, my next step in my life. I haven't really realized the title yet. I've wrote a ton, too. But the, uh, the one song that did record, it was just on cassette tape. You and I should remember, right? Cassette. I, I tell my children, they'll look at me like,
2: yeah.
1: what? What's that? Yeah. That's tape- a DVD. Picture?
0: When the tape uh, came out, the the one side, you used to reset it with a pencil, eh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was called um, Your Love is Forever. So it, it was a pretty cool song. Because I actually performed that song along with my other two on a TV show called, I believe it was called Natives in the 90s. It was here on, it's called Global News now, right? But back then, it was called ITV here in Edmonton I don't know what (laughs) what they used to call it where you're around right but over here it was ITV and then it became global okay so yeah they had this little show and it was on a Sunday it was like really early in the morning like around 6 or 7 in the morning and I don't know if anybody watched it but yeah I went on there and spoke about myself and uh, sang some songs which is pretty cool and uh were you gonna play the song or it's okay yeah, or? i think we'll go ahead
0: and play the song right now so this okay. is a strength i can find i can never find yeah bird
2: In our world, our people can rise to the occasion and thrive as a nation. Through prayers and smudge, gives me the strength as a native person, young and proud.
1: I love the, like, um, reason why Thomas Brayback puts on my, like, um, uh, lyrics and uh, melodies. I wanted the piano and the flute in there. And I really love the the flute and the piano, how it's coordinated together in there. Like, I don't know if you noticed with Baby, but I actually asked him to put the French horn in there. I don't know if you noticed that.
0: Yeah, no, so I was uh I was saying yeah i I couldn't pick it out i, I wasn't specifically looking for it, but i'll I'll, I'll listen for it next time you hear the song. I know' this baby has a a nice upbeat kind of catchy tune feel to it um the uh the second song you really have to listen to the lyrics to to have a full appreciation of what's going on there, so yeah. And I, I think uh, you know the fact that you're coming on here and you're sharing at an intellectual level and kind of historical level your story, but also through the, that those songs, you're also sharing at an emotional level. I think that's really really important. Something I don't always get out of these podcasts is is uh, the combination of the two because music does that really well. It's, it's got a whole world of its own that it can share that stuff that can't be quite shared with words alone. So
2: I have one more like.
1: Uh- little add on sorry and then I'm gonna I want Pam to talk about reach it because it, it's powerful. Uh, but there's one little thing that I can bring upon and I can even I'll I'll talk about the feelings too. Uh, see so in 1979 when my mother passed away um, I was there at the hospital and she passed so she died of cirrhosis of the liver which everyone knows it's because of drinking, right? And it was traumatic, it was horrible. I felt felt I felt really bad, but at the same time I didn't know who she was because I was taken away from her but I felt bad because I knew she was my mother. Right. And as, when I was beside her, I did not, uh, um, when I was within her presence, I didn't feel like she wanted to hurt me or harm me. So that was a good thing. And then when I was taken out of there, out of the hospital from that, uh, the foster parents, it took me, that the, mother, the mother took me there. She called me right down to nothing, blah, blah, blah. And then she gave me a beating, quite a beating after when we got home. Cause my mother died and she just wanted to make the statement that that i think she wanted to make herself feel better or whatever else and it was traumatic and i was i was like what am i supposed to do with that and i just i i when i was doing my chores i would sing i would sing my songs and like i would just sing anything that was on the radio that's when the music really started to help me cope and at that time, I don't know how I knew how to pray, but I prayed to God and I prayed to creator for help and I got strength somehow. So that moving forward and what I'm trying to say is for all the people out there who think they're trapped and there's no place to go. If I can do this, if I can do this, I hope I'm an example and I hope you guys can find a way to get to, to do whatever makes you happy. That's my message.
0: Thank you. And um, so on that, do you want to bring uh,
1: Pam? Uh, Yes, yes, I do. I wanted to um, have Pammy come and say her because like I was like every now and then when I have a bad day and then she does her little blessings, it's powerful. I can feel it leaving. I could actually feel it leaving my head, the energies like, and it's good. How long Anyways, would a, like, oh, sorry.
0: How long would a, a a um a short treatment like that uh, take?
1: Okay, I'll let is, her. Is is
0: that something? Is that something that we can get a demonstration on?
1: Uh, of yeah. on
0: actually, yeah.
1: live. Distance. Okay, she's right here. Okay, she's in to come. She actually does distance, reiki. Okay, I'll let her talk about that. This is my life partner for almost twenty years, Annie Paul. Sorry,
3: I'm going to let
1: her cuz I got to talk to my son.
0: Sure.
3: <clears throat> Hi. Hi Patty. Hi.
0: So, I I hadn't prepared any specific show notes uh for, for your okay. side of the story just because I I wasn't clear on on what we're um, yeah, where we're going, okay. but uh, you can certainly uh, maybe just uh, tell us a little bit how you came to know Victor, and we'll we'll take it from there really quickly.
3: Okay, okay. Just I'm just going to change chairs because that's a little bit low for me. Um, yeah. How are, well, Victor and I met. We're from the same community. Um, I'm uh, like him. He's he's a Stony, but I we we call it Nikolas soup. Um, that's what I am, original Nakota Sioux from the Paul First Nation. And so we're kind of like from the f- community. Um, I haven't, because Victor grew up not from the community. Um, I didn't know him very well until later on. And, um, I just, I don't know. We, we really didn't do anything until really later on into, in our life. And, um, yeah, I think we could, Kind of, like, just kind of, like, just, I just, I really enjoyed somebody in a good suit, and he liked to wear dressing clothes.
0: <laughs> yeah, so sorry, when you say later on, um, were you in the same community as kids, but only got to know each um, other as adults? In
3: our yeah, he didn't grow up in our community. Um, he was more because of his, um, his, of uh, being away from the community and foster care and whatnot. I didn't really know who he was. And um, when I did um, when I did get to know him, which was later, um, he used to dress really well. <laughs> it's mainly the main reason I I, I started to um, I, I like somebody that wore really nice clothes, and so um, and I enjoy I appreciate a good suit. So yeah, I just mostly enjoyed what he looked like. I thought he was kind of glamorous and whatever, and I really do enjoy a good suit. Great so, lesson for the youth um, out
0: there the ladies like a well-dressed at man. At
3: the time, he was very accomplished at the time um, before he, he was accomplished when I, when I really took notice. But at the time, he was more, um, he was more stabilized, working for all kinds of organizations and helping himself. And, you know, there's a lot I didn't know about that part of him. It was his past. What I did know is all the good stuff he was bringing to people, First Nations and whatnot. So that part I like, and plus he was dressing up. So I mostly took notice of the clothes at the time. But he's not shallow. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying I'm shallow. I just I just appreciate beauty of every you know in every way. No, so, but it, it's, um, it's a
0: well known it's a well known thing then, in, in the um, red pill community. That, yeah, it's a it's a well known thing in the red pill community that the the low, somebody well dressed. Uh, and um with with signs of of a certain wealth the the women don't go after the wealth they use it as a proxy
3: i would say that um i would say mostly that he was accomplished
0: well it's 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 typically that's where i was going
3: like a wealth part of it didn't speak to me yeah it was more that he was accomplished in in what he was doing
0: like, it's it's typically um, a, a proxy for gauging a man's ut- uh, and only to use utility but uh, usefulness for the community and it's a very good gauge and something that would <laughs> yeah, do what very I, well. But
2: he you have
3: was, to well you. It wasn't about wealth look. I, I just liked the way he looked and he dressed really well. However, I did really appreciate that how he worked for our community and First Nations, he was really out there with his messaging and stuff like that, working um, and speaking of First Nations communities and people
0: and you. And when you got to know him, you did you did you find out he had a good heart? Because he strikes me as somebody with a really good heart.
3: I found somebody with a good heart. Yes, I've never um, like he met. He said before he never um, burdened us with with all of that. He really. By the time I got to know him and, and we spoke and we, you know, we got to know each other as people, um, he was, I, I found a good heart in him, like he's completely gold and um, I've never had any, any, like I've never had anything that people, when people talk about abuse and all this and that, um, I've never really had that, you know, frontline experience of it, You know. Um, what I can speak to is the stories that I hear from others. Um, but I, I like, I've never felt like violent abuse. Yeah. It, take, it I'm takes on a moment like, to
0: spot a good heart and to not wreck it. So congratulations. Yeah, it seems yeah, like you two yeah. are doing really well. Now tell me a little bit about yourself and you, you want to talk to you about your experience with Reiki. Um, how did that yeah. all get started?
3: Well, you know, I heard you speaking earlier and um i was I, I i was somebody that was like i was a worker i, I liked working i liked to study and I, I how i managed my time is i always planned it out i was really big on planning managing and working through my day day to day with children and whatnot and um, I didn't mind, it didn't bother me that I had to work extra hard, that I had to do all of this, I had to be on time, you know, that, that kind of stuff in mind. I didn't, I didn't mind the planning part of it. Um, so I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't really ever thinking of Reiki. Never been one of those that thought of Reiki. Um, I was raised in a family that was completely spiritual, um, completely earth, earth um, people spirituality. Um, so it wasn't part of that part of my plan, I guess you could say. And I was never drawn to this type of healing, this type of therapy. And um, I don't know, it just it just happened kind of thing. Um, because I wasn't interested and I wasn't drawn and already I had my own spirituality. I didn't think to to travel or to to do anything else so when it did come it just kind of came it was just kind it was kind of like um how it was how it came to me was through it just happened kind of thing it didn't have no there I can't explain it but it just happened and um, there's one day there was some, it just happened. I just, just had this. I found some information about Riki. Okay. And I, I read the information. Um, I'm, I like to research anything before I do it. So I researched it and I'm like, okay, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Just, you know, I found an advertisement that had Ricky. So I'm like, okay. Um, all right. Okay. I'm going to try it. I'm not gonna trouble on myself, but she's kind of with me, we're both the same. We both we were both raised on on um like grassroots Aboriginal First Nations. So for her to come with me, it was kind of like a, she was like, okay, I'm gonna okay, I'll, and she's like pretty much telling me, okay, um, all right, I'll stop her. Like, oh my right now. I'm gonna come with you. So we did that together, and um, I said, I mean, let's just experience it. We don't know what it is. We're gonna try it and you know we'll get it we'll get experience and this thing of it is education so we went and we did it together and um, it's just all right so I moved on I I'm said okay I may as well move on to 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 the next level so I moved on and I got my I got that asui master level and so I worked with that and at the time um, the instructor that said that, that guided me um, Said you know if you get a chance, work towards your uh, Canadian Reiki Association the practitioners uh, recognition. So I'm like okay I'll, I'll I will try that down the road. And as I was working, I was doing this and then I was doing that as a side thing. And so um, I decide okay well um, I'll just try it. And and so I leveled up from there and started working with the Holy Fire Karuna Holy Fire. Corona 2, International Reiki, so that's the one I use now. That's the one I practice. And so um, at the same time, I worked with that and I was able to obtain my, um, my Canadian Reiki Association practitioners license, I guess you want to say. And so I do have it with me right here if you want to see it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and after that, I started just to, I just started working with the, the Holy Fire. And that's the main
0: one I like to use. I find it very effective. Um, okay. So um, just just to give me a sense of where and, and how these things are all happening. So you first got an advertisement like within your community uh, about the Reiki. And sorry, um, it, it's pronounced Reiki, not Reiki. I heard it. I know some reason.
3: people say Reiki. Some people say Raki. Okay. So it's I I I've heard heard for both both I've heard okay. both. Which what is the right one? I I don't know.
1: Okay, ketchup
3: <laughs> So I just kind of say Riki and um, so where I found it was um, on, you know what? I think I found it online.
0: Okay, so it was online, and then the course it was, it, the course it was it
3: through wasn't something I was I was looking for. Okay, I was. I, it just i just how ha- it just came about it i just came across it so I, I i researched what it was about because it's not something in in community like indigenous communities now i think it's taken off however um at the time when i was i didn't feel that uh, it was something for me because i wasn't it wasn't in at that time it wasn't it wasn't in my path i guess you could say Um, I was full time working and I was part time studying. So I was working towards, um, my goal was to working towards psychology and working in psychology. That was my goal at the time. And so I was more work concentrating on work and, and finishing off that part of my life that I put on hold. And so that part wasn't, it wasn't part of the equation. It just, I just came across it.
0: Okay, and, and so, so the the advertisement was online. Now, the course itself was where?
3: It was here in Edmonton.
0: Okay, so right in Edmonton. Somebody was in Edmonton. Edmonton.
3: After, after, I re- after I read the, the advertisement and whatnot, um, after all of that, I, um, okay, well, I'm going to check it out. I came across it. I don't know what, like even that, I, I didn't realize that I would be doing it because it just, happened so quickly and so fast i didn't understand a little bit of it so um that's that's how i did it and i i asked my cousin if she would come with me
0: yeah,
2: so, so we
3: learning as a learning um educational information
0: so your first experience with with reiki or reiki uh, itself yeah. was as a student not so much as a patient but i think it within yeah. the course within the courses yeah. you must work on each other a bit right
3: yeah yeah we we worked together in the course and we weren't like she wasn't expecting it either she wasn't like because we were we were raised spiritual right we are raised indigenous um uh you know first Nations, and it wasn't something that was drawn to us like with first with our culture we work in energy it's just the process that makes it different. So it's the same. The way I looked at it was the same thing, and it's just a different process. That's how I looked at. It. That's how I viewed it at the time. And um, now I I know that it's it's, it's a process that makes energy different.
0: Okay, so I I've got two questions for you. Um, well, the the first one is, uh, can you explain a little bit what the cultural origins of reiki is and the other one is uh, if you can describe your first uh experience say as a patient or when you're doing your studies as people work working the reiki on you what did you experience personally uh as far as that's concerned was it was it like a a very obvious thing or was it something that kind of works slowly but surely through uh through the process so maybe you can talk Uh to
3: me yeah i wrote down a few things yeah well when well when i did when i started doing the reiki um it was i was told it was founded by Makeo, uh, was the um oh yeah Makao Usui reiki was founded by usui Makeo, japanese origin okay. and um but, well the treatment intent it's intended for improving of mind and body that's that's what I got out of it, and my first experience working with with it, or even having it, because we had in the in the in the training, we had to to work on each other, right? Yeah. So um, when I received um, Reiki, it was um, well, it, it makes you feel so balanced, and you feel a lot lighter. And for myself, I could say that. Um, you know it does help you release like if you had uh, an issue if you had an issue with something either you had a, a past issue that you wanted to work on it will help that it'll help you do that it'll help you release and give you more balance in your um in your center your life force center or whatnot. even that i i was different for me but apparently they. The Urquah uses the uh, chakra system. I, I researched that and found that out. If, if they, 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 they work with that part of it too. And so in a way, it's not really, it's for everyone in a way because uh, if the Urquah can use that and, and their model is on, ba- their balance model is on that. And I, I totally, I'm like, it totally changed my perception of everything too as well.
0: Yeah. So the the foundation of Reiki. What what year are we talking about here?
3: Um, when I first started it was no, 2007. No.
0: Well, I mean, when when 18, it, it was 18, first,
3: 18, No, you're talking
1: about Reiki,
3: I think. Oh, and you're talking about um, the the foundation of Reiki yeah, when? Yeah, that's when this, right. I, it's in 1800s, 1896 or something like that. I don't remember exactly the day, but. Um, it it was it was founded by him and he was um it was considered a sacred practice. and how he taught it wasn't by um wasn't written it was his wife that that composed all the the written material and and brought it forth to it it was worldwide after that and to bring it to to use as a as a technique um i look at it as a therapy as well as a healing therapy technique
0: yeah so would you would you say that it's uh it's in large part a lot of ancient knowledge kind of rediscovered and re re put together is there a lot is a good chunk of it new ideas of how to how to operate it or
3: well, with the Holy Fire is um, is is a lot different than the original that I that I studied um, with the Sui. The Holy Fire is uh, a new it's it's a new idea. It's a new Reiki that, from what I understand, when I took it, it is through the International Reiki Center for Reiki Training, and the founder of the the Holy Fire is William Brand. And, um, he trained, he trained people to to use the holy fire and, um, to, 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 it's the same concept. It's just, it's just, he founded the holy fire. That's what I like to use.
0: Okay. And uh, would you, okay. would you say that you're able to bring your own cultural, um, spins for lack of a better word or your your own cultural um brand to your uh, practice and who 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 are typically your patients
3: um meaning my own cultural spin you mean because i'm indigenous and and, and...
0: well whatever background you grew up with right if yeah. if you feel that with yeah. your own
3: patients, yeah with the with the energy you mean being yeah. part of the, the energy. Yeah, I, well that's my my cultural spin on it because of indigenous people recognize the energy through the prophets and and how we practice our cultural traditions and whatnot. And I I would like to bring it not just to indigenous people, it won't be exclusive for to our own people it be to anyone that would like to to um <clears throat> to use the, the holy fire. Um what? Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't get to the next question.
0: What's the one you, did you say? Well, I guess I'm I'm just kind of wondering what your okay. what your yeah. personal. um I, I mean, for example, I I do this show, right? I I do something that a lot of people do, but I I bring my own sense of oh, yeah. background into it. So I'm, I'm kind of yeah. wondering the the people that go and see you, what 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 do you what do you feel that you're personality shines through your own practice or the the things that you bring into it?
3: Oh, the things I bring into it. Okay. um, Well, what I do with the Holy fire, because when I first started taking the Holy fire, uh, even that was different to me. And I really, really enjoy using this part of the the practice is I work with the archangels. And that's what I first learned about the Holy fire. I didn't, I didn't work with the archangels before, Um, that was something brand new to me too as well. And so um, when I do work with the Holy Fire, I um, work with the archangels and um, I've had experiences where the client would want, because my clients vary, they're not just um, religious, they're not just Whatnot, you know, all these other modalities and whatnot. They're not just that. They they all want different types of things. And the ones I do work with that uh, had a religious um, that that um subscribe to religious origins and whatnot. Um, they had asked me if I could ask um another another like Mother Mary or whoever to, to come into the 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 therapy session. So I would do that, and um, they they would tell me that they would get really good results. Um, it varies; it varies in different people. But the four main archangels I work with in any blessing, any any therapy, is um, Michael, Archangel Michael, Raphael, uh, Gabriel, and Uriel. So those are the four main ones, even in blessings. And with the Holy Fire, when I do blessings, I would usually use just one symbol however, I have um like Victor just mentioned, we were doing um doing bunch work at the church, and so um I had offered blessings with the archangels and um i I added an extra symbol so it could so the the therapy and how it worked would help those that wanted to receive the blessing
0: yeah, thank you for that I mean that uh clarifies i mean it's interesting that, you know, upon asking that question, we kind of get that mix of Christianity in there, considering the practice itself originates from uh, 1800s uh, yeah. in a Japanese culture that that's uh, you've traveled quite a far, far stretch between the two and yeah, people might not realize so that.
3: So new to me, everything, learning about the Japanese culture or that part of it, um Hinduism, Buddhism, that's, I, I've never done that before. It was never part, it was something that I never um, thought, because I was kind of taught that people have their own stuff. You know, uh, there's people that have their own way of doing things and their own way and whatnot. So um, I never bothered to venture elsewhere. I have just stayed in my my little, um, I just stayed in the road that Indigenous ways and what we did and our practices and whatnot. I didn't go adventure further in this valley so when i did take it that's that's the whole thing when i first started it just happened so fast. and um you know my my cousin that came with me the person that came with me um we're both mm-hmm. we're both very cultural so we 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 never we would never have thought okay well we're going to try this out just because well we're going to try this out for educational purposes. we we put in that context because we didn't understand we didn't know what we were gonna do so we tried it and um, it was something that was different and then when I moved on to um, the holy fire it was something completely different I was like okay I've never done the archangel I got never done I've never heard that concept before so um, it was a lot of learning. It was a lot of learning on my part, and you know, it 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 changed my life. Like I do, I do love to work with it. Um, it 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 gave me an extra. It gave me an extra.
0: Would would you, would I- you say it's fair to say that um, like the principles might be very similar from from one method to the other, but it really helps to connect with the person using. Um, cultural imagery that they can really relate to so because it, it sounds to me like the the process of reiki it goes it's not a uni unidirectional process it's it's kind of a connecting of two energies the the patient and the practitioner is that is that correct or
3: yes yes i i, I, I strongly believe in that um i um i i, I look at that too as well um and and I keep my like I keep myself mind body and spirit. I keep that very very, it's very sacred. It's a very I, I look at it as a sacred practice either way, um, because it is working with energy, and I I hold that in a very high regard. So I I don't I I don't interact or engage or subscribe to things that just don't feel that that don't feel that 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 path that I'm on working with energy. I've never been, I've never had problems with addiction of any kind. Um, and I've always been on, I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm righteous, but I've always followed the human, uh, humility path in, in that concept. Um, because growing up in uh, a family that, uh are healers, they're natural healers, right? And then I had um, a grandfather that was uh, a founding father of a, um, a treatment center here in, in, in Alberta. A lot of people know him and a lot of people uh, attend that a treatment center. the Palm Lodge. And he was a founding father and he worked and he worked to keep us all, the whole family, including the grandkids worked it all to to walk and live that, that humble path and it doesn't matter how you do it it's just be be humble be, be good to people because you know you want people to be good to you you be good to another person
0: and how do you um how does that make you feel to have found a way to perpetuate the family tradition
3: <laughs> well that's what i was thinking you know um it's a different concept of healing mm-hmm. Because my whole family is full of healers, um, but it's a different way of healing. Like I, like we all look at it as our healing journeys are different. You know, I have um, family members that are, are social workers and they help kids. I have family members that are that work in films, and so they help and, and bring bring identity to First Nations people. I have a family member now victor my family member that works in music and i you know anything in healing of some kind you know i have professional family members that work in that healing healing way and this is this is something different but i am working with it and i find that if this healing way works for me i'm i'm very comfortable in it
0: that's good, I'm gonna have to conclude here pretty soon uh, it's It's been okay. uh, f- fairly lengthy. Can we bring uh Victor back and for a final uh goodbye yeah, and then yeah. Like, and uh,
3: thank you so much for
0: your time. Nope. and you no no, you stay there too i w- I'd like to have oh. both of you back there okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't kicking you out. I don't know that yeah you'll probably need to back up a little bit and get nice and close and cozy okay. there so you can both fit on the screen yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for participating in the show. You shared uh, a wealth of knowledge and experiences that hopefully can be useful to everybody who heard it. Um, and, uh, I'd like uh, to keep contact, um, with you guys, uh, Victor, if you uh, produce some more music, we'd love to have you back. So you can uh, talk about what's been going on with you and, uh, Pammy, uh, as things progress in your practice and uh, maybe we'll even, we can even have you on a separate uh, interview if you have stuff that you'd like to share as well. So we'll keep contact that way. Okay.
1: All right. Thanks a
3: lot. Any final
0: words from you guys?
3: <laughs> Watch
1: out for the uh, chief and council virus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's you know, I'd like
3: to say thank you. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure.
1: All right. right. Yeah. Thank you. You've been a gracious host and you helped me see some other issues that, that we were talking about. You learn something new every day, and I'm going to use that to incorporate in what I have to offer. Thank you. All right. You just... Okay. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Bye.